She's long, she's tall, she's a handsome queen. She's got ways like a mowing machine. She's a humdum dinger from Dingersville. Ooh, watch her strut her stuff. I took her to church in my hometown. Preacher got hot and throwed his Bible down. Says I've been a preaching long, long time. Deacon, get yours, boys, I got mine. She's a humdum danger from Dangersville. Do watch her strutter stuff. Hey everybody, Legs Malone here. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Lunch with Legs. I am so excited to bring to you this week's guest. Um, We recorded this interview last week sometime, and I have just been itching to get this up because we cover a lot of really very cool and timely stuff. Um, Her name is Kate Valentine. You may know her as Miss Astrid, who is a formidable host of uh, many burlesque shows all over the world, not just New York City. Um, She's also a director and has been an actress. I don't think she performs so much anymore as a burlesque uh, performer. We do talk about that in the interview. Um, but I'm, yeah, I think you're going to enjoy this one, so I'm, I'm just going to stop talking about it. And I'm actually going to keep this intro very short because I am sending this to my wonderful producer very late on the day that we are meant to be posting this. So real short, real sweet. Um, please keep us in mind, by the way, if you want to email us and tell us what you think about this show, lunchwithlegs at gmail.com. You can also find us on iTunes, and we would appreciate any and all reviews and ratings. Naturally, the more favorable, the better, but it's all good. I trust that you guys will tell the truth when you review this show on iTunes. Um, But apart from that, let's just get on with the show. Lunch with Legs. Valentine. <laughs> Hi, and thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. This is my first podcast. Oh my gosh. I feel so honored. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, this is not the most professional of podcasts. We'll hear chairs creaking, potentially children screaming in the hallway, but you know, it's, it's DIY like that. That's right. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, I just got back uh, from Vermont, where Ooh. I did the first um, Vermont Burlesque Festival. Oh my gosh! Which uh, I didn't really know what to expect, but ended up being fun, uh, interesting, and I saw some people I hadn't seen in a while, which was nice. And it was the first time I had been uh, away from my daughter oh, for. Wow. Uh, overnight. <laughs> the first time? Yeah. Really? So it was the first time in two years that I had uh, been alone, you know, wow. in any kind of way. Did you sleep well? Oh, I slept so <laughs> well. Holy cow, did I sleep. I had a bed at this hotel, and it was so comfortable, and it was so quiet. No one else was in the bed or near the bed. There was no crying. It was unbelievable. I mean, I cried when I left because I was I was uh, sad to leave my daughter, but I got over it. 
<laughs> I got over it when I got eight hours of sleep continuously in a row, <laughs> which hasn't happened literally in years. Oh my god! Yeah, I have, I have a feeling it was cute. Any new new moms on uh, listening to the podcast are like, "Yep, <laughs> yep, preach it." <laughs> it was cute, and it was a hurdle that uh, we needed to get over because prior to that, um, you know, I, I'm full time with my daughter, and so I've been working more sporadically. But the times that I have traveled for work. I've forced my husband to come with me so we could bring our daughter because I couldn't bear the idea of being separated from her. And there was, for a while, I was breastfeeding, so there was a functional reason for that, too, not just emotional. But, uh, yeah. So that was good, and I saw Ray Gunn. Oh, um, was Ray there? Yeah, so I hung out with the unbelievably lovely and talented and gorgeous Ray Gunn. And uh, some other ladies that I knew peripherally but hadn't spent any time with, um, Chacha Velour out of uh, Las Vegas, Vegas yeah. and Lily von Stupp out of uh, Los Angeles. So I had a really nice time with those people, and uh, it was produced by this guy named Corey Royer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know what to expect with that, but he was great. He was a really, really lovely man. And... Uh, not that i'm surprised that a man is lovely but just saying um where in vermont was this what city it was in burlington oh my god it was in burlington and uh they they sold out their venue it was i think it was a 450 seater venue that they sold out the show was only five hours long oh my god but uh oh my god we did it (laughs) Did you host the whole thing? Yeah. Well, there was a, there was a Friday night component, and there was a, a, a local duo of guys uh, called the Peepers, um, uh, and Lily von Stupp, who hosted that one. And that was a shorter show. But the main event was Saturday, and they had estimated that it was going to be three and a half hours, but it, it had had been five. <laughs> but that's okay. And it was, it was actually really uh, manageable. And uh, it was not the longest event I've ever done. So, What's the longest event you've ever done? The longest one I've ever done <laughs> was uh, working for the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people of Finland at the Helsinki Burlesque Festival. Oh, my gosh. But Hini, their burlesque festival was six and a half hours long. Six and a half hours long. Jesus Christ. So by the end of it, I was the only host, and... Uh, <sighs> By the end of it, there, you know, there was someone backstage offering me a chair, and I was like, I can't sit down. It was like they shoot horses, don't they? I was like, if I sit down, <laughs> you're gonna have to put put me down. <laughs> Someone's gonna have to come gotta, and gotta shoot gotta me. Gotta keep doing it. Gotta keep yeah. doing it. Oh my god. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was literally a marathon. Six and a half hours long. And I don't think like no one knew that it was going to be six and a half hours long. You know what I mean? I think that there were so many elements to planning the festival and so many components and so many people. And they were so great about uh, the organizational parts of it, treating everyone super well with all the guests arriving from all over the world. But, uh, yeah. Damn. Was that their first one? No. Oh, my gosh. But uh, it was the one I did. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've never been to Finland or, yeah, and I, I can't imagine, I, I mean, maybe six and a half hours is standard. Is there much to do there at night apart from drink and cry? Because <laughs> apparently that's the national it, it pastime was, of it Finland. Was, it, was, it was in the wintertime, and it was very cold. And uh, the only 
place I had been to that was close to that was uh, Sweden. Mm-hmm. And uh, you did the Hoochie Coochie Club there, yeah? Yeah, I did the Hoochie Coochie Club a couple times up there, which was a um, gorgeous experience. Yeah. Um, and uh, But I kind of expected Finland to be like uh, Stockholm. And Finland is not like Stockholm. Finland is very uh, Eastern Bloc. Oh, really? Yeah, so it, it looks and feels very, like a very different place. Um, so I think in the, the, that's a very long answer. There's not a lot to do. Probably not a lot to do. Um, so that's that was a, a big uh, draw. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. When did you do that? What year? Or how many years ago? Uh, when was that? 2009 or 10? I, 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 I'm sorry to say I can't really remember. No worries. <laughs> Uh, somewhere around that. Because I know like that particular, the Helsinki Burlesque Festival is like one of the major festivals in Europe. I mean, people talk about going there and, you know, performing and I mean, I would love to. Um, but yeah, I've not, yeah. I've not been. Mm-hmm. Well, Betty Blackheart is, is uh, amazing. I mean, she's a, she's a force to be reckoned with. And she, this I've heard. She uh, gets a lot of international performers there. And she treats them really. I mean, there was a masseuse that came at one point to give me a massage. That was like Whoa. something that they had arranged. I mean, that's outrageous. Oh my god! But if I had known that I <laughs> was, <laughs> it was not a sprint. But that a was before the show. It wasn't after the show. I would have asked for a morphine drink. <laughs> wow, that's like extreme. It was. It was extreme, extreme hosting. Wow. My God. Yeah. My Wow. That's, yeah, that's that's intense. Because you, how many years have you been hosting burlesque shows? I mean, I would love to rewind and find out how you even got into all of this, but. Well, I will tell you, I when I was at the burlesque festival in Vermont the other day, there was a troupe um, that I introduced that had been around for 14 years. And I was like. I think I've been doing it longer than that. And I did the math, and I had to do it like five times because I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing for for 18 years. Holy shit. Which is a really high number. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel very, very old. Because I didn't wow, 18 start years. when I was 15. So, <laughs> yeah, it's all getting... But I, I, So the first year that I did it, I, did, I was uh, as a dancer with the Velvet Hammer in Los Angeles. Um, what was and that was name? one of the first Ruby Valhalla. Awesome. And that was one of, although I could have just stuck with Kate Valentine. I mean, honestly, it's a pretty awesome. Name. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was you know really one of the first shows of its kind. But it was only happening once a year. Mm. And uh, so after I sort of got a taste for that, I, I was anxious to be performing more in that. Vain. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with the per- blessing of those ladies, I started a monthly show and created the MC character Miss Asterix for that show. But uh, and the show was significantly different from the Velvet Hammer. I mean, it was really significantly different. I mean, Velvet Hammer was so blown out and so over the top with gorgeous props and costumes and stuff. Michelle like that. Carr did that, right? It was Michelle Carr and. Um, uh, this woman, Elvira, who's been 
uh, you know, lost to time, but she was, you know, the one of the other, you know, instigators behind that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so so the Vava Boom Room was meant to be more of a vaudeville show, more mm-hmm. of a variety show. The, the Velvet Hammer was a straight up burlesque show with a big, great band, live band on the stage. Um, but there wasn't a lot of variety acts in it. It was mostly um, the ladies. Um, so I did a much smaller show with a lot more um, vaudeville mm-hmm. elements to it. And it was a monthly show. Wow. How was it finding performers at that time? It was easy. It was easy and fun, like it <laughs> always is. People were psyched. I mean, there's, you know, I was living, at the time I was living in Silver Lake, and there's just a bunch of, uh, you know, I had met a bunch of people who, uh, from, through the Velvet Hammer who wanted to be performing more, and I was an actress and a dancer, and so I had a lot of friends that were, and, you know, I knew a lot of musicians, so... Um, and I had seen this guy, um, uh, maybe you know, now he goes by the name Christopher Wonder. Have you seen mm, Christopher Wonder? No. Nah. <laughs> I had seen him, I had seen him at, where did I see him? I saw him bomb somewhere. I think because <laughs> he was the open, not because he deserved to bomb, because he was an amazing a magician. Ah, magician. okay, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> he, uh, I think it was the opening act for a band, you know, a band that they wanted to, you know, that the audience was there to see. Yeah. So everyone oh, man. was really harsh on him. He's fantastic. And uh, he's still performing, um, but he was someone who I, I tapped to do my show, The Vava Boom Room. And at the time, his uh, magician's assistant was um, Selene Luna. Oh, Before my gosh. she started doing burlesque. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Uh actress and comedian and burlesque lady Selene Luna so um, yeah so it was easy to find people and fun Um, fun to find people to be involved with that wow so how did your background I mean you said actress and dancer you've been performing your whole life haven't you in one way or another yeah I mean I I have I I, um, I come from a artistic family um, <laughs> I come from a very special family. <laughs> Not a practical bone in our bodies. None of us. <laughs> Good Lord. A bunch of dreamy disasters. That sounds like an amazing girl group waiting Ugh. to happen. <laughs> the, the dreamy, dreamy disasters. disasters. <laughs> well, when would they ever rehearse? <laughs> <laughs> um, true, true. They should be improv only. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, I... I um, I was around uh, actors uh, a lot from a young age, and I was really entranced by, you know, as a little girl, being able to be behind the scenes, um, seeing the seeing the performances, like going to see my dad in plays, but more so being able to be backstage mm-hmm. with the actors where they were getting in and out of their makeup and getting in and out of their clothes and swearing and smoking. I was like, oh, that's... Yeah, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, yeah, that seemed like that was part of the uh, the dichotomy between what happened on stage and what happened behind the scenes to allow for that to happen was, was super intriguing and exciting. And 
but I was also very, very, very shy as a kid, like mm. almost like mute shy. Um, and uh, so I, I started doing a lot of dance, and that was a really great outlet for me. A nonverbal mm. expression was really um, helpful for me. Um, and uh, so that was sort of my first real love. Mm. And uh, because I was kind of a weird kid, uh, and you know, very shy, um, like shy, but also then like kind of like a nudist, like just a weird combination. <laughs> like nothing, <laughs> nothing that kids want to be around. Just like, uh, what's going on? I, um, I, uh, I went to. I went to acting camp as a kid when I was 10, and that was a big um, sort of uh, changing moment for me mm. uh, that I had, you know, suddenly had this new set of friends outside of my, I was already, you know, in a in a lower caste in my school, so I was oh, locked Jesus. into some sort of, you know, uh, that I was never going to get out of unless I changed schools, which eventually I did. But uh, so then there was a group of people who didn't know me at all, and they were all dorks. And they were, you know, in mo I was thinking I was the youngest one. So all of a sudden I had, like, a boyfriend who was 12. And wow. <laughs> and uh, so I came out of my shell, and that was more like my entrance into doing uh, theater, where I was speaking and that kind of stuff. Wow. And I was always be I mean, and then I was always sort of like a little director because I did have my group of neighborhood friends that I was I was writing shows and forcing to perform in plays that I would wow. force the uh, neighborhood parents to watch and stuff like that so there was there was always it was always part of my life I guess that's the, the element of directing because mm. you are t also a director I have uh, I think that I probably am inherently a director <laughs> <laughs> my husband would say so <laughs> Uh, but I, I, it, my uh, life as a director, you know, in uh, in a professional way, has been uh, pretty organic. Mm -hmm. Although, it's I've directed more and more things over the last decade or so, and my goal is to do more and more of that. I really like it. Awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. you did a great job with. Um, I unfortunately wasn't able to see the Hive. Um, but I heard amazing things about it. Thank but you. also um, how you, when you directed World Famous Bob's One Man Show, that was in, that was incredible. Thank you. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed. Um, I know she really enjoyed working with you on that. Yeah, I got into the well. I, um, you know, I worked on a couple of shows with Julie Atlas Muse, and because mm. somebody, s someone saw me, I saw that saw the last production that we did together. Um, uh, at one PS one twenty two and oh, hired was that the me. rites of spring. No, uh, I I was a performer in a, in a show called um, in a, in Julie Atlas Muse's version of Rite of Spring. Okay, and uh, then we did a production called I Am the Moon and You Are the Man on Me. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, then we did a show uh, called uh, The Divine Comedy of the Exquisite Corpse. And that was essentially a one-woman show for her with other people. Mm. But because of that, I got hired to work with this guy named Ed Hamill on his one-man show. And that went to Edinburgh and won a big award. And then oh, we had wow. a run in London and New York. And so then I sort of started this track of working with people on their 
one person shows, which is really interesting and idiosyncratic. And yeah, that uh, one-on-one. I mean, that must be quite. Uh, I don't know, quite the environment to work in. I mean, you're just with one person. Yeah, I, 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 it's really lovely and interesting. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Are you working on anything right now in a directorial uh, sense? I am not. Cool. Um, but I, I hope to be more in the future. I have a bunch of things uh, in development. I'm doing a lot of writing. I'm, I, I'm actually hoping to develop a <clears throat> one-person show for myself. But in terms of directing, cool. I'm not. I, I wish I, I wish I was doing more. I'd love to have more projects like that. Mm, noted. Be interesting to see what what 2014 holds for you. Yeah. As a result. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I did definitely want to talk about. You presented a paper lecture. I'm not sure what the appropriate word is, um, but the uh, State of the Union yeah. for burlesque at BurleyCon. <clears throat> I think that was two years ago. Um, not this past year, but the year it's prior. 2011. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it 11? It wasn't 12. No, it was 2011. Oh, wow. October okay. 2011. Because um, that was, I felt very fortunate to be there to listen to it. Um, and I would love to know, I'll link to it on the podcast page for people to read it, the transcript of it. Um, but how, I mean, I, I can't help but wonder that the discipline of acting, of growing up, you know, around people who really make a living out of their craft have given, that your background has given you a very strong sense of what's great to watch and what could really be left at the door. I mean, I have to say some of your words of wisdom um, and opinion around burlesque has stuck with me ever since I started performing. Um, I think I've, I met you very early on. Um, I can't remember if you were hosting a show or anyway. And I remember you saying, you know, do not work your shit out on stage. People are there to, uh, they're paying, they're paying audience. They want to see a show. They don't want to watch you get back at your father (laughs) on stage. You know, this is not therapy time. And that really stuck with me. Therapeutic, not therapy. Isn't that what you said in that? I feel like you, you were the person who said, I think that's very well said. Yeah. I mean, and it really, you were the first person to sort of put words to that because I think especially in burlesque I mean there is such a fine line you know you know acting acting is acting but when you combine the storytelling with the taking your clothes off and exposing the body there can be some you know if people aren't really clear on why they're doing it Hmm. they can get a little muddy Hmm. Um, but I'd love to know what you know, if you can, if you if you want to talk about some of the points that you addressed in that, but also I'm really interested to know, <clears> most <throat> importantly, what the feedback was after you gave that, because I know there was some backlash. There were, and not necessarily backlash, but you know, rebuttals yeah. Um, presented. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I let me see. I, I guess I have a bunch of things to say about it. I I I was you know approached to uh, go and do. BurleyCon, which is a conference about burlesque and uh, an educational conference. Right. So it has no performative end to it. It's about teaching and exchange of ideas. And <clears throat> I'd been asked to go there before and hadn't been able to go. And uh, I was there as a, a guest of honor. And so I, in, part of that was asked to you know, speak on burlesque. And I took that seriously. Maybe I took it too, I don't know. I mean, I, I approached it um, 
uh, as sincerely as I could mm -hmm. because it's something that's been a part of my life for a long time. It's something that's been very important to me, um, unexpectedly so, as life often is. You know, you, things come into your life that you mm -hmm. don't, you know, no one knows how their life is going to unfold. Uh, so I took that, I, I, I took it as a considerable challenge to think critically mm. about my life uh, in burlesque and about burlesque in general. And uh, uh, so I said some things that were pretty critical, which I did out of a, I don't know. I, I, I was trying to be uh, since genuine. Well, you I know? feel like a lot of and what you I said it was like coming from a place of love of the craft. Yeah, and I think that um, I'm not sure if I would do it again mm. if I was in the same situation because I was, uh, I think that uh, it got quite a bit of backlash. It was perceived as controversial mm. or... Um, even worse than controversial, uh, something, I don't know what the right word is, uh, as if I was trying to... Like inflammatory. Yeah, inflammatory, mm. which was absolutely my not my intent. Uh, uh, so I feel like it was a little maybe naive, mm. and I think that when I presented it at BurleyCon, it was for an audience. This, was, this is my larger uh, regret about it. That not about what I said because I wouldn't take back any of it. Although I would be happy to clarify a couple of things mm. with with you today, if that's mm -hmm. um, absolutely welcome. Yes, but um, I think that uh, one thing that I've always been very resolute about is not giving anything like unsolicited advice. Mm -hmm. I only, you know, tell people things if they ask me. So when it was republished online. It amounted to unsolicited advice. You know what I mean? Yes, then it yes, went out yes, to a yes. whole group of people that had not paid to be in a convention. Right. Who were like, who, the, who are you? Yeah. How dare you tell me how to be? I remember I, seeing it bandied around on a bunch of boards in London. It got sp splashed all over the place. And once it's on a, a, a web, I, I, I particularly apprehending anything on the web and the conversations that happen online get gets very loosey-goosey. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that was problematic. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, But I also, on the other side of it, um, find uh, burlesque performers to be um, pretty thin-skinned. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that there's a lot of um, art forms where people are pretty rigorous. Um, with themselves necessarily. Dance for sure is one of those things where it's, I mean, rigorous isn't even the word. I mean, yeah. it's brutal. Yeah. And so people who come from that background have no problem <laughs> with that. Totally. Um, and while burlesque is a dance form, it's not dance mm -hmm. in that strict sense. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe, you know, uh, the kind of rebellious nature that uh, makes a really good burlesque dancer, the kind of people who want to give their finger to everybody, maybe that's necessarily not the kind of person that wants to, you know, listen to what other people say. <laughs> right, 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 right. Absolutely. So, um, so for those reasons, mostly, uh, mostly the uh, subsequent publishing of it, um, 
not because, I mean, uh, 21st century burlesque is great, um, and Holly May, who runs it, is great. I just think the unsolicited advice part of it is, is the part that's my regret a little mm. bit. And then, you know, some people had really great, uh, you know, either people agreed with it or had really good constructive uh, debates about it and some people are not capable of constructive debates <laughs> and that's always disappointing and because my character is so severe and mean I think that there was a in some cases deliberate muddying between mm. my character and my words um, so you know Kate is Miss Astrid Kate is mean it's, this is all mean you know she's a bitch and so <laughs> that's Disappointing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I read... Did you see the, the, the piece that Dr. Lucky wrote? No, I don't think so. Dr. Lucky wrote a piece that was just recently published in 21st Century Burlesque that oh, I just okay. read this morning, which oh, is wow. a, a, an interesting piece about... Uh, it also encompasses in the title somehow State of the Union of Burlesque, so it references in some way my uh, piece and talks about her experiences uh, in burlesque now and sort of being in and out of it and um, about money issues mm. um, and some other things. I mean, it's worth reading yeah, because absolutely. it has a lot of different elements to it. But one of the things that she brought up in reference to my piece, that she said that she agreed with a lot of parts of, of my piece, but she didn't agree with the part about uh, professionals versus amateurs oh well she and says that burlesque is a profoundly amateur art form I don't know if she meant references that in the article but I've had many conversations with her about that I think it also has to do with um, how people are earning a living mm. and whether you're earning your living from burlesque or whether you are have a, another a profession yeah. or a hobby I think I used the word hobby and that really uh, pushed buttons but I think that I mean I could further clarify that which I'd be happy to do, but I think it would probably, it probably would just make people angrier. <laughs> <laughs> but I can say what I think. Please, which please. Which is that I think that um, uh, I never imagined to make my living solely from burlesque. Mm -hmm. um, I have, but that was by default. And by living, I mean a very bad living. <laughs> <laughs> And anyone who is making a living at burlesque, which is a very small handful of people, mm -hmm. uh, no one is becoming wealthy from that endeavor. Not one person, not Dita Von Teese, nobody. So, hello. Um, what I was thinking, I, I mean, I was looking at myself and my, you know, uh, original peers who were artists, who are performers of many different stripes. One of those stripes happened to be burlesque. So, in cobbling together our livings, as artists, we uh, were doing burlesque, which was great because it's so much more lucrative than modern dance. So for us, the standard of what it meant to make money was completely different. Mm -hmm. No one had t-shirts, no one was selling, I mean, none of that. But anyway, so the, the hobbyist versus professional <clears throat> issue and whether or not people have careers outside of burlesque or not, it became a focal point of uh, contention mm. within my piece. Mm -hmm. But I feel like... <laughs> 
I feel like maybe more to the point, I feel like there's lots of amateur performers in terms of what they are presenting on stage Mm -hmm. versus professional performers in terms of what they're performing on stage. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean money. I mean what they are doing on stage. And those people sit side by side, and uh, that was what I was critiquing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is even harsher than what people were debating about, actually, because that's talking about people's ability. Mm -hmm. And that's all fine because you have to start somewhere right but what I have a problem with is um, people not being active or curious in their pursuit of becoming better performers Mm -hmm. what I have a problem with is not how much dance skill you have before you're a burlesque dancer because there's many ways to be performative that don't involve having ballet training my problem is someone with no dance background teaching dance classes for money. Mm-hmm. I find that despicable. And I find as I'm uh, you know, a sister amongst artists, so these are my peers and I love my peers, but I also love the audience. And to me, you charge money, you better be putting on a show and a show of quality. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't, you're diminishing everybody. Mm-hmm. So... Um, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I don't know if that <laughs> digs me deeper down my rabbit hole. No, but, no, if anything, it uh, clarifies. You know, uh, that's where I, that's where I was coming from with that comment, mm-hmm. and I feel like um, there's lots of different components to that. I feel like people who are producing shows want to cut costs, so they have one headliner and they have a bunch of you know, newbies to just keep their costs low, mm-hmm. and I get it, but I also think it blows. Yeah. Um, well, it cranks out a less than stellar product. It does. Arguably. And, uh, you know, for better or for worse, and it, there's arguments on both sides, when I produced my show, I paid everyone the same. We split the door. I, I took what everyone else took and that meant that everyone got paid badly <laughs> everyone got paid the same no one had to wonder you know right. who's getting what yeah. you know what I mean mm-hmm. like the money mm-hmm. was on the table and that was it and people you know but it was a different time I mean it really yeah. is a long time ago now yeah. you know and so and and things have changed a lot um, but I think the fact that uh, it depends what your pers- the, the idea about money really depends on what perspective you're coming from I mean if you are trying to make a living as an artist in New York and you're looking at a career in dance and then you get a gig at a club and they pay you a hundred bucks. You're psyched. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. You're not crying about that. Mm-mm. You're not like, why is it only a hundred dollars? You're like, yes. Absolutely. I can make money doing that. I can get up there and do that and they'll give me money for it. Yes. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's just true. different times. Yeah. How, I mean, you, I mean, I can't believe, it's amazing that you've been doing burlesque for 18 Ugh, years now. we're in disgusting. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're past me by Geritol. <laughs> Even that's an old person reference. I was just about to say, would you like a stew to prune? No. To <laughs> um, and I know, I mean, especially being a mom of a soon-to-be two-year-old is, you know, keeping you out of, you know, everyday nightlife, as it were. Mm-hmm. But what has your perception been around 
how the burlesque scene has changed over the last even 10 years um, within New York? Uh, well, oh my God. Um, I mean, apart from like just a huge influx. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is that, I mean, uh, that it's still going mm-hmm. and there's, there was a handful of us. You know what I mean? It was, there was, there was a handful. And uh, now there's, it, it just continues to grow and grow and grow. And there's so many shows going on um, and shows that I've never seen before and people who I don't know. And um, so I'm not maybe the right person to talk about the ins and outs of the current. I'm sure I'm not. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I don't, I don't so know if sure. any of us are qualified. I'm to... so sure that I'm not. But mostly that um, uh, that there's so many performers now and uh, that there's classes. There was no classes. That there's... God, this really ages me. But there's the internet <laughs> because there was no God, of uh, way of uh, having a, a larger community that was connected this way. There was no way of uh, checking your work to make sure. I mean, there was no way of promoting your shows on you know on that level. Wow. Um. So that is great and uh, useful, incredibly useful tools. Absolutely. Um, if not slightly invasive at times. <laughs> it's sure. It's really easy to let all that stuff take over. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm, I have to, I, I, I'm really curious. I mean, this is, I don't, this is going to sound really funny, but, like, how did you promote, like, just from a non-internet, you know, time, even though that was only, you know, 15 to 18 years ago, um, I mean, were there flyers? Did you advertise in magazines? There listings? were flyers. We printed advertisements in Time Out and The Voice. Wow. Was word of mouth. And so there was no, uh, you know, there was a time when, uh, I mean, that that can be kind of exciting too in a way because it's like that, you have that grassroots thing where, uh yeah, people always like that in a way too, and maybe that maybe that's something that that doesn't exist anymore. You know, yeah. feeling like you know the inside thing that nobody else knows the secret, blah. You know, you, um, because we had a time before before my. Uh, again, this is all very old history, but um, Fez, which was a, a space under Time Cafe on yeah. Lafayette Street near the Public Theater, was a great cabaret space for a lot of legendary. Um, nightlife in New York for many, many years. Kiki and Herb were there. Um, gee, just so many musical acts. Um, Joey Arias. Yeah, tons and tons and tons of people. Yeah. And um, so my show was there weekly for five years. But before wow. we were there, um, we had a stint at Show World. In Times Square. In Times Square. Wow. And the reason why we had that was because Giuliani had this, this is when Giuliani was cleaning up Times Square. And they had this 60-40 law, which is a very weird loophole, where they fired all the strippers. They still had the peep jap- jack-off booths downstairs, and they were selling magazines and VHS tapes. Oh, my God. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and then upstairs, there was legit family entertainment. So they oh had God. theater happening upstairs in the <clears throat> gross, uh, gr- fabulously gross 
circus clown themed show world with like oh my God. the gilt and the red and the, the velvet oh, and the, the crushed velvet and the little diamond mirror things and we had this gross stage with a pole in the center of it <laughs> and we did a show up there for a while and it was like you know when Bradford Scobie first moved to New York, Bradford doing ukulele, Louie, Julie, Dirty, Bob, Tigger, um, Bonnie Dunn. Um, those are my, you know, that, that was wow. the main core group. Other people, of course, too. But it was a tiny little room. We could, they didn't serve liquor, so we would give people airplane bottles of liquor at the door. Oh my God. And that's, there was that's no genius. one at first, you know, more people on stage than in the audience. And then by the end of our run, it got so crowded that people would like sit on the stage to be fit to be there. But we didn't know how they had, you know, it just sort of crept this yeah, awareness yeah, yeah. of this weird thing. And it was a really weird thing because that <laughs> venue was so strange and the situation was so strange there. That was actually the Japanese most... tourists occasionally looking oh for God. sex, live sex acts. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that space actually, I mean, now it was up until recently, I'm pretty sure it was the... Yeah, yeah, it got taken over again. Yeah, uh, well, because that's where Johnny, and that's where they were, right. um, the, what is it, Time Scare. Yeah. And that, I don't know if this was the case when you guys were there, but that space is totally haunted. Did you guys ever have any well, run-ins? Because there a, are some serious spirits there. Yeah, I mean, it had a long and very dark, history so do you know about the history of it i just know they're ghosts like i couldn't take a picture without shapes in it oh yeah oh my god especially in the hallway um no that's interesting no i i just i mean it was you know i mean it was the big one of the biggest clubs you know in the the 70s in the height of oh my god you know the former new york you know yeah, right in the old Times Square, especially. Yeah. I mean, dirty, yeah. seedy. But really, really dangerous, really dirty, really um, like some crazy stuff happened there. Do you know anything? Oh, any of the stories? No, I don't have any good stories. I bet, you know, I feel like I know people who do. You should, you should have Tigger over. I think oh, Tigger yes. has some Oh, I would stories. love I feel like Tigger him. knows. And uh, I do know some people who used to work there, but I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> <laughs> How respectful. Yes. But yeah, no, I mean, I there are a few places. I'm sensitive to stuff like that. And man, I remember going back there first and being like, oh my God, like yeah. A, I'm creeped out. My skin is crawling. And B, I am not alone. Right. Just right. being back there. Yeah. And it was, yeah. And it was funny because all of the shows that we did on that stage in the Crypt Cabaret before they closed it down um, and converted it into something else, every single show, at least one person popped a pasty. There was some spirit or entity there that needed to see nipple on that stage. Well, I think that there's probably, I mean, there's pr- a lot of performers who performed there are dead. I mean, there was, there was you know, a lot of uh, gay shows there, too, and, you know, at the height of the AIDS oh, crisis. God. I mean, um, you know, before we knew there was a crisis. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, I'm sure Jesus. there's a lot of um, those dark. those could talk. Yeah. Fucking hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, unfortunately now that there's no more, there's no more burlesque there for now. We'll mm-hmm. see what rises right. again, literally. Right. <laughs> um, I would love to find out how Miss Astrid came about because she is such an iconic character in the firmament of burlesque hosts and persona. Um, and
then, I mean, you hosted the Sunday night show at the Burlesque Hall of Fame for years as Miss Astrid. I did, for the first decade. Damn. Um, and then I retired last year, for better or for worse. I don't know. I sort of regret it, but I uh, just felt like 10 years is, you know, good. That's, solid. That's a good number of times. Nice, <laughs> nice round number. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I had a better story. I should really make up a better story. <laughs> I uh, I wanted to, you know, when I when I started when I made up my burlesque show, Fava Boom Boom, I wanted to host it, and I, um, you know, I was living in LA. I was working as an actress. I was, you know, it was all like film and television stuff, and I just wanted to like sort of go back to dorky reasons why I wanted to be a performer anyways, which was not to be, you know, whatever Hollywood decided was an approximation of me at 20-whatever. Mm. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to, you know, wear a wig and have a bad accent and have an eye patch <laughs> and do, like, dumb... I just wanted to do dumb... You know, I wanted to do something dumb. And I came up with it in, like, completely in a vacuum in my in my house Oh God! I, I wonder if anyone will think this is funny. It's so stupid, but the whole show was kind of about that um, kind of lovingly uh, racist uh, America of the 1920s, you know, with all that jingoistic stuff, you know. Oh my God! And uh, so, you know, it was all that idea of the exotic, you know what I mean? And, and very innocently so but horrible racist stuff you know what I mean so absolutely uh, and there was a lot of that within the genre of burlesque and the the early Hollywood movies it's you know it's so the I think that's you know the thing about Miss Astrid is this sort of Austro Austro German character is that it's a it's an American joke it's not a joke about German people right it's a joke about American people and how silly and uh, pigeonholing they are uh, <laughs> uh, so it was you know a hybrid of uh, Madeline Kahn and uh, you know uh, Blazing Saddles and yes. uh, Marlena Dietrich and uh, we had these chorus girls called the international girls of the world <laughs> you know it's just more of that kind of dumb I had a, I, there was lots of ex-husbands in Miss Astrid's I had this one friend of mine whose name was Joaquin Closet <laughs> <laughs> it was my first, my first husband, my first Latin husband, or my oh second my Latin husband. God, you know. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm curious actually to know, uh, in the sense that how you were like, I wish it had a more exciting beginning. It'd be interesting to find out if Miss Astrid would tell the story differently. I am not inviting Miss Astrid at all right now, but <laughs> I feel like Kate could tell one story, Miss Astrid could tell yeah, another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I, I, I really have to. I think I have to come up with something better than that. But. Um, <laughs> No, I feel like you know my my story with uh, uh, with Miss Astrid was basically like um, uh, you know she had come to the United States because she wanted to be the Mother Teresa of entertainment because you're also desperately in need of entertainment and you're tired, <laughs> sad little lives. <laughs> you know, that was sort of the idea. Um, <laughs> it was a chair act of charity. <laughs> um, 
because you know she's always so self-inflated you know this idea oh. that she had had this incredible career and she was this <laughs> unbelievable singer you know there's a special gift to everyone that she had like stooped oh, to do gosh. whatever show she was doing i have to say i do love uh, her version of is that all there is Thank you. That's that was the, the, you know, that was the song from the beginning that I wanted to do. It was the closing song, always of the Vava Boom Room. And, uh, oh, amazing. But it was also, I mean, completely based on my neuroses. You know, I would never, I was really, really phobic about singing and uh, would never, like, I was like one of those assholes. Like, I wouldn't even sing Happy Birthday. Like, I was just really weirdly phobic about singing. And I wanted to sing. I was like, okay, if I had a song where... 60% of it was talking, and I could have a bad accent. Maybe I could, you know what I mean? Like, that was, like, my way of getting myself to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I now I sing all the law. time. Yeah, 6040 yeah. Law. <laughs> Bringing it back. Yeah. You Now you sing all the time. Uh, yeah. And That's you know, awesome. I, I, as Miss Astrid, I yeah, sing yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know it's weird. I I feel like there must be like fifty different songs that I sing as Miss wow. Astrid. Wow, really crazy. Oh my gosh, it's weird. Now you have some other hosting characters, um, Betsy. I'm well, not not actually hosting characters. I have other characters that or persona. I have other. I yeah, I mean, I have other little comedy characters that I've done over the years. Um, because I'm. Unfortunately, forgetting Betsy's last name right Betsy now. Betsy Bixby Wheat. Thank you. I remember. I could remember Wheat. Yes, that character. Although I did host your show, yes, right? Yes, exactly. That. And mm-hmm. I think you split it up. I, I think did. I did, did like, a half. Oh my god! Half that of the poor show audience was disaster. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, they loved it. But like, it's just so funny going from this like commandeering, like cold German, you know, Dom type to the creepiest, crotch-centric, sweatpant. Turtleneck wearing, button up LL Bean cardigan, hole in the crotch, yeah. sex therapist. Well, to to me, I thought you know the thing to me is really funny about um, sex therapists is that they always seem like people who you can't quite figure out <laughs> who they would be having sex with. Like you right. can't picture them having sex, and you can't or even figure out which g- gender or what would be happening. Um, to me, that's hilarious. Oh, it absolutely. Or, or there's something about the puritanical, uh, you know, something that you know necessitates the person to be, while they're dispensing advice that's sexual, they need to be sort of neutral to sort of deactivate the whole situation somehow. Totally, totally. Um, but Sue Johansson was my big model for that. Do you know Sue oh Johansson? Oh my God! Yes. yes, 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 yes. She's brilliant. She's amazing and gorgeous but but again that's somebody who I'm like she has sex I mean of course she does she can talk about it so eloquently and has great advice but it's like yes but Sue Johansson who is uh you know not the poster not the first thing you'd think of when you think of sex no you know will jump up on stage uh and she's in her late 70s and uh demonstrate fellatio on a dildo in front of screaming crowds. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I, I have to say that Betsy Bixby Wheat is an extraordinary character. I hope that she comes back. Yeah, oh, thank you. If even yeah. just for, like, a monologue moment. Yeah, yeah. Because that really tapped into something that a lot of people could recognize. Right, right, right. And sort of, 
I don't, I don't even want empathize is the wrong word, but associate with or have uh-huh. some sort of yeah. ground for. Yeah. Um, do you, I mean, coming up in this year, how, like, do you have any projects? I mean, you had said you're not having any, like, directing stuff going on, but are you having any trips coming up? Are you, or are you wanting to do certain stuff? Yeah, I, um, you know, my, my, as I was saying to you before, my, my, um, my work life is moving along, um, a little glacially because I've been full time with my daughter, which is, you know, easily the best thing that's ever happened to me. So I'm not complaining, but, um, I'm sure a rich source of inspiration for future Oh, stuff. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 a rich source of inspiration for itself. Mm, you know. Yeah, I mean, totally. Uh, it's a uh, it's a, a very uh, life. Uh, I feel I just feel like I've learned more in the last couple of years than I've learned ever in my life before. So it's really a good, uh, uh, unbelievable journey in that mm, kind of way. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I have a bunch of things that I am developing let's say i've been doing a lot of writing um i have a new website i have yes you do um, uh so i have some projects that i'm trying to develop but i don't have anything that's really um worth talking about right now fair enough and i'm always open for performance stuff um of you know uh, in the burlesque world or directing jobs but um yeah I, i have a um I have a little column that I've been doing with Burlesque Beat. Yes, Ask Miss Astrid. Ask Miss Astrid. And Ask Miss Astrid is also a Twitter handle for you, isn't it? It is, yeah. So I started a Twitter feed, which I hadn't done. And um, that show, that that, uh, column has become uh, like a video meme with this guy, Scott R. Johnson, out of Philadelphia. Oh, how cool. So that may have continuing life. We'll see. That's just been like a silly... silly, uh, Miss Astrid thing. I love that. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen you a couple times on Twitter. I need to ask Miss Astrid a question. You do. Do it. Is it? Does Miss Astrid just open up to be like, ask me anything, or do people oh, just yeah. ask away, sort of intermittently, or, and you get to it whenever you want to? Well, the column has been running monthly, so oh, it's a monthly column. Okay, yeah. Cool. So the questions get posed, and then through whatever. Uh, means people uh, ask the questions and then they get answered either in the column or uh, we'll see how this video thing continues but yeah that sounds really cool yeah and maybe it's going to get maybe it's going to evolve from there maybe it's going to be more live interactive or something I don't know that's not the the other people involved are working on that end of it I'm just telling the jokes (laughs) (laughs) which you're very good at by, by which I mean I'm giving advice. <laughs> <laughs> Very sound advice that should be followed to the letter. <laughs> um, and, and you did just launch a brand new website, katevalentine.net, correct? I did. So uh, so that has whatever upcoming um, projects. As well as some of your past projects, like The Hive. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about The Hive? I thought that was such an amazing yeah, idea. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to have a continuing life. Um, it's a much more uh, serious project. Um, but um, it's a, a multimedia theater piece that I created and directed and performed in um, that's uh, constructed like a... Um, 
like a, a Greek tragedy. Mm. It's um, actually uh, based um, loosely on um, Trojan women. And uh, it's about uh, the uh, honeybee depopulation syndrome, mm. which is, uh, I think most people are aware of that now, but um, there's uh, a huge epidemic in the um, honeybee population, which they haven't found out what the cause of that is. Um, the colony collapse disorder? Colony, it's also called colony collapse disorder, um, which uh, causes, has caused huge, huge, huge uh, populations of bees to die. And what happens when that happens is, uh, you know, we're all connected and uh, the, the, the butterfly effect in the worst possible yeah. sense is uh, for the bee population to die because yeah. uh, eventually that means everything goes. Yeah. They're the, you know, the, the, the first line in how uh, our uh, food and plants uh, continue to exist. And honeybees make much more than honey, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, the pollination, the... The pollination of... Uh, uh, all different types of plants and nuts and uh, so uh, there's a lot of different theories about what's behind that I think that yeah. probably the most valid one is the um, uh, pesticides yeah pesticides I've, I've also heard um, the, the GMOs like some of the genes that have been injected yeah. into some of the vegetables yeah and there's other theories like too fungus. yeah there's other theories about um, uh, magnetic fields and radio waves and things like that, but I, uh -huh. I think that the, the 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 pesticides are the most likely because they stopped using certain pesticides in parts of Europe and their honeybee populations are back. Or are, there's regaining the, the, numbers. The, the the level of um, uh, death was uh, stopped. So in any case, the play is, is sort of uh, the the bees in in a hive undergoing colony collapse disorder. And it's uh, an aerial play, so it's set on a big. Um, uh, my husband, who's an architect, helped helped design this um, uh, beehive. It's like a metal beehive mm. that uh, there's aerial stuff happening on and through. And uh, I, I I'm really proud of it, and um, I think it's about something important mm -hmm. as well. So I think I mean I think that theater can be a really great place for people to. Uh, think about things. Absolutely. Um, so I, I hope that it's a project that I want to have to evolve more as yeah. a piece because I had a very short time to uh, present, produce it, and uh, make it. So we'll see. Yeah, that would I would love to. I was unfortunately not able to see it when it was at Galapagos Art Space. It was very. It was a tiny little run, and uh, so. I hope that we'll have more to time to back. do it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's video of it on my website. There's oh, a little there? snippet of it if you ever want to look at it. That's actually um, prompting my next question, which is how can people find you? Uh, well, my website is katevalentine.net, and uh, that connects to a bunch of other media. For the burlesque, it connects to um, you know Facebook and Twitter and uh, Burlesque Beat that has my column. Um, and uh, there's also a page with a lot of uh, things that I've directed in the past. So mm. it con connects to my Vimeo site Fabulous. that has a bunch of different clips of 
uh, the shows that I mentioned before with Juliette's Muse with Ed Hamill. Um, don't think there's footage with Bob, unfortunately, but of this project, The Hive, and um, some stuff from the old Baba Boom Room. Oh, so. how cool. So cool. And yes, again, ask Miss Astrid on Twitter, but you said it's all connected. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be... I think I need to ask Miss Astrid a question. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to think about it, though. I'll have to see the other questions that people have asked so I don't <laughs> repeat a question. Um, but I, uh, we're drawing up. We're real close to just an hour or so. We might as well say goodbye for now but thank you so much this was so for fun thank you so absolutely. much and I can't wait to have you back I want to I'm, I'm, I want to have a big round table of some of the like ooh that's you know, a good the idea the greats yeah cool um, of the New York scene the people who have been here really since the beginning and it, of course this does involve making sure all those people are in New York and available to get together also if but. your apartment is wheelchair accessible because we're all so geriatric <laughs> <laughs> which it is which it is Elevator, nice flat surfaces. Wonderful. Very easy. Soft no foods. Soft. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. A nice, a nice hot tomato. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much. And uh, here's to a fruitful 2014. Thank you to you as well. Thank you so much. She's long, she's tall, she's a handsome queen. She's got ways like a mowing machine. She's a humdum dinger from Dingersville. Do watch her strut her stuff. I took her to church in my hometown. Preacher got hot and throwed his Bible down. Says I've been a preaching long, long time. Deacon, get yours, boys, I got mine. She's a humdum dinger from Dingersville. Do watch her strut her stuff. Hey everybody, I hope you enjoyed this week's interview featuring the wonderful Kate Valentine. You can find out all about Kate and her projects at her website, www.katevalentine.net. I'm also going to be linking to her State of the Union speech that we were talking about on the blog page of the website, so by all means, please visit www.legsmalone.com backslash lunchwithlegs. Um, and last but not least, I totally forgot to say this at the front of the episode, but the music that you were hearing and that you were about to hear again is called She's a Hum Dum Dinger by Jimmy Davis. Anyway, guys, be well. I hope you are all warm and safe wherever you are. Wish you guys a wonderful week, and I look forward to bringing you a fresh episode this time next week. Bye. She crossed both eyes, she ran way back, she knocked at the knees and she bawled a jack. Steady James, steady, don't you bother me, I'll whip you down with a single tree. She's a humdum dinger from Dingersville, do watch her strut her stuff. Now church is over, singing's done, not much preaching but lots of fun. She's a humdum danger from Dangersville. Do watch her strut her stuff.